1: Hi folks and welcome to episode 78 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host Bart Bushots, and this is the show for February 2020 or 2020 or oh, I haven't got used to saying that yet. Um, anyway, regardless of the year, I am joined by a fabulous panel of whom there are also two. So we have lots of twos here. We are the show for the second month of 2020 with two panellists. Let me see, eeny meeny, um, nearest first I think. Uh, Nick, welcome back.
2: Thank you Bart. Yeah, it's good to be back on nice to have a little chat about apple things.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it's nice to get away from talking about COVID-19, but I'm afraid we will succeed in that for some time, but not for this entire <laughs> podcast. Meanwhile, Indeed. joining us from a long way away geographically, I am delighted to say that Linda Goucher is back. Linda, pleasure as always to have you.
0: It is great to be here, Bart. Thank you for inviting me.
1: And I'm going to say a special on-air thank you to Mr. Goucher for buying you a wonderful microphone. You sound amazing.
0: Uh, Excellent. I will definitely let him know that. Excellent.
1: Well, we have, although it's only a 29-day month, actually I should say a little bit of uh, under the covers for the listeners, we are pre-recording this slightly earlier than usual. I normally record these shows a day or two into the new month, and that way I have all the news. We're recording this one on the 28th of February. And it is a month with a lot of fast-moving news. So while the show isn't going to hit your feed until the start of March, we recorded it on the 28th of February, so something really exciting happened on that magic extra day that they give us every four years. We don't know about it. But anyway, with that said, let us get stuck in and let us start with some follow-ups from things we have talked about before. So the long running saga of the battle to break encryption continues in the United States. Uh, Senator Graham and a few others have introduced a bill to the Senate, which would try to mandate back doors. I don't think it has much chance of passing. So it's more of a data point that they're still pushing, in my opinion. Linda, may- maybe you have a stronger view on that being a little closer.
0: I don't have a view one way or the other. Um although I I'll, I will say that I don't think it's very likely that that will pass, I think smarter, cooler heads will prevail. There, there are a few senators, Ron Wyden, specifically from Oregon is very, very good on technical issues. Technical he really issues. is. And like,
1: even from here in Ireland, I am aware of his work on the tech sphere. Not only is he good at stopping the bad stuff, but he's good at proposing good stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's, he's on top of things. And, um, I My gut says that politics are going in such a way that um, this will not be an issue. I'll just I was going to
1: say, I, I will say this because you can't, you probably shouldn't. But I will say that I do not believe the American Senate could pass a bill to say the sky is blue. <laughs> it will be filibustered. Okay. That is my opinion. Yeah, anyway,
0: that's it. Yeah. Yep, okay.
1: Meanwhile, in Nick's home country, the chief of MI5 would like exceptional access, which is a new euphemism for a backdoor into encryption. It's a euphemism I hadn't heard before exceptional access. Um, Nick, I get confused by your MI numbers. Is MI5 internal or external?
2: Uh, I shouldn't have sprung that on you, sorry. Well, what does internal or external mean? FBI would be <laughs> I internal,
1: know. right? Where they're interested in what goes on within the UK and uh, CIA would be external what's going on internationally. And I know MI5 is one and MI6 is the other, and I can never remember.
0: MI6 is the one that James Bond belongs to. Ah, well, then so MI5 that, must that, be
1: FBI
2: equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds, uh, that sounds logical, yes.
1: Yes. Our immense <laughs> I'm a, of sorry the I
2: don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah. And it, that actually lines up extremely well with the US because in the US you have FBI directors asking to break encryption and CIA directors saying, no, for goodness sake, no, it'll destroy our work abroad. So it would appear that in the UK, MI5 and the FBI are on the same page.
2: And listeners, do whenever please... I... Um... Sorry, Nick. I was just going to say, whenever I hear... Uh, this kind of thing, particularly where they've used different words for it, um, it rather takes me back to. Um, I think I've probably mentioned the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy before, but there is there is a bit in the radio program only I think uh, that talks about um, um, uh, a, a, a clones called Lintilla, mm-hmm. um, and and they, they 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 produce they can't switch the machine off because it keeps producing half a new Lintilla. <laughs> if you sort of mean before they can switch it off, and therefore they'd be killing it. So, and it goes on about sort of they tried um, um, f- different ways of switching it off, and eventually they tried respelling it, <laughs> which I thought was wonderful. Um, um, I-, 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 I, if you'd call it a different name, then perhaps people won't notice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've just done some quick Googling. Uh, according to uh, Wikipedia, MI5 is the domestic. Counterintelligence Security Agency. So it is indeed, for our American listeners, the FBI equivalent, not the CIA equivalent.
2: There so, you go. I've learned something new.
1: There we go. That is what this podcast is all about. Um, we have also talked quite a bit in recent months about Apple's struggles with doing business in countries whose governments are not entirely... Well, a bit authoritarian. And I don't think that's controversial to say, but China... Um, and the latest piece in that puzzle, Apple has now said they're going to start enforcing a rule requiring all games in the Chinese app store to be proactively certified as legal by the Chinese government. So apparently you need to get some sort of certificate and you get like an, a license number and you're going to have to give that license number to Apple to get your your game into the Chinese app store. And uh, developers, th- that broke yesterday or the day before, and then today there was a small add-on to say, oh, and you have till June to get your paperwork in order. Uh, my understanding is this is quite onerous for small developers and even quite onerous on large developers, but definitely onerous on indie developers. So that mm-hmm. is not good for Americans trying to sell games into China or Europeans, etc. Meanwhile, well, good point. Here in my little home island, um, we talked last time about Apple CEO Tim Cook coming to Ireland to accept an award, while at the same time everyone was going, "Yeah, but you don't pay any taxes," and it was tone deaf, to put it mildly. Um, it didn't. It, there was a lot of scoffing done. Um, I don't think all of it was fair, because Apple actually, unlike most companies who have Irish headquarters or whatever, Apple actually have a place with human beings who do things. There's a major European call centre here for Apple, and at one time there was even a a manufacturing plant before they outsourced all that to China. Um, So I don't think it's quite fair, but anyway... Apple have changed how they are doing business in Ireland. They have six legally registered entities here, which were so-called unlimited corporations under Irish law, which meant they do not have to file public accounts. If you're an unlimited company, you do not file public accounts. They have now re-registered themselves as limited companies, and limited companies have much stricter obligations in terms of reporting. And that reporting is all public, like when you file stuff at the SEC. So what this means is that in the future, Apple are going to have to be much more transparent in what exactly they are routing through Ireland. So I think people like yourself, Linda, and the analysts you read are going to really enjoy whenever this kicks into gear.
0: More information.
2: Yeah. Yeah, sounds
0: do you good. Think,
2: yeah. Do, you, do you think it's also? Um, it's also a little bit almost Apple trying to cover their own backs in in a way, because um, if they can actually point at, look, we're obeying the law. Hmm. Um, you know how the EU came along and said, look, you've been doing naughty things. We can't prove it, but you have.
1: Yeah, don't um, even get me started on this, that this is,
2: this is a way of saying, well, look, now we've got it written down, so you can't tell us Yeah, <laughs> that we haven't well, been. I think that actually it. is
1: a lot to do with it, because there was a lot of criticism, or, like... That somehow Apple had got a special deal from Ireland that isn't available to other companies. And that is, as best as I can tell, factually not correct. But that impression is absolutely out there. And yes. this makes it a lot harder to do that if you if you have to file accounts like like other limited companies.
0: It shows people what is the truth. I
1: yes. mean,
0: because they're not gonna lie on these kinds of accounts because the legal repercussions would be enormous.
1: Yes. So and- this
0: says it makes that it makes information that has been private very public. And then uh, people are not able to cast dispersions that are based, that are groundless. Yeah. Put it that way. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think Apple's line has been, we pay all the tax we're legally required to pay. If you want us to pay more, well, pass the laws. And I know the OECD are currently working on a, a report on how international corporations should be taxed. So... I'm just thinking that maybe having this be more open might play into that a little bit to sort of to help those discussions along, where you can see what's really going on. It's interesting. I look forward to seeing what they actually file. I think that will. I think we're in for some fun stories when that happens. Hmm. Now, U.S. government scrutiny of Apple and the other major, major tech companies has also continued. An interesting development: the Federal Trade Commission has basically retroactively gone back and said, you know all of those small acquisitions that you legally didn't have to tell us about? Yeah, do you know something? We'd like to know about them now, please. So every acquisition you've done, we'd like to know how much you paid for it, why you bought it, who they were. uh, Please send us in the paperwork to have very much. So I presume what they're trying to get at is whether or not Large companies like, I think particularly Facebook, uh, would be more in line with this. We're buying up competitors for the point of stopping competition, rather than for the point of incorporating their technology. So basically, acquisition to block as opposed to acquisition to improve. Is that mm. sensible? Yeah, that, in interesting.
0: The, yeah, there it, it's um, that distinction can be hard to delineate too yeah. in in the sense yeah because if you're buying technology that could perhaps be developed into something that would be competitive to your product then that's going to be a fine line to draw
1: I guess the question is what do you do with it afterwards if you buy it fire everyone and shut it down that's obviously towards the anti-competitive side, whereas if you buy it and roll it into a product that you then continue to use, like say when Apple buy an AI company and they roll them into the Siri team, that's different to buying a competitor to Snapchat or whatever and just making them go away.
0: True, but if Facebook bought, uh, what's the name of the photo? I want to say Instapaper. It's not, what is it? uh, Instagram? Instagram? Yeah, and then incorporated it so it be, it's an, an, an analogous platform, right? It's another platform that could have been a competitor, but they did also incorporate it. So I don't – that is – I think – I see that as a tough distinction. That's to a more make.
1: traditional antitrust, so that's – yeah – and of course, that's not a small company being prevented from growing. That's sort of a big company being brought under the wing. So th- this kind of goes after those smaller acquisitions that would never have made the news. So the interesting startups who could have been the next Snapchat or whatever. Right. Yeah, i would be curious to see what comes of this. Uh, I don't think any of this is necessarily going to be public, but it's, it's interesting that they're gathering more evidence for a potential antitrust case. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Apple Card, last time we talked about CSV export being possible. Apparently, you can now do something called OFX exports of your Apple Card transactions. I imagine that's important for financial types. I have no idea what that means.
0: It's, oh no, it's actually, I can explain this one because um, I mentioned this story at my Mac users group, by the way, and, and no one was impressed except me <laughs> I was the only one that, that, that appreciated this. But that format is the same format. As is used by Quicken, but Ooh. it's also used by um, Banktivity and numerous other, I mean, it's it's the, the standard for all Ooh. software. So I can now take my Apple Card tran, uh, transactions and import them into my accounting software, and it will show me exactly where I spent, how much, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's, it's, I'm very happy with it.
1: That sounds like, wonderful. I, I I am as excited as you,
2: Linda. I, I want an Apple I've card. I always have one. but <laughs> yeah, I've always noticed the um, the acronym on my um, um, nationwide account because I can export that as CSV or OFX, and I've never really known what OFX is, so now I do. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That's two we, things I've learned so far. This has been a good Very show. Good. Yeah.
1: Final bit of follow-up then. We talked last time about Fitbit retroactively adding blood oxygen monitoring into pre-existing hardware with a, with a software update. They have continued to do that, adding uh, blood oxygen monitoring, so SpO2, to even more devices since we last uh, recorded the show. So I think this is a fabulous thing and... As a husband to someone who needs to monitor their SpO2 and as someone who suffered from sleep apnea and needs to monitor his own SpO2, I I would love it if my watch were as amazing at monitoring my SpO2 as it is at monitoring my heart rate, which it does a superb job of. So, Apple, start your photocopiers. (laughs) Notable numbers, Uh, just two quick ones here. I don't think that we we should dwell on these too long, but they are worth noting. I have said for a long time that while Google has more physical devices, Google customers are different to Apple customers. The average Google customer, particularly of a non-flagship phone... Is the user of free apps or ad-supported apps, uh, not a user of paid apps to anywhere near the same extent as a typical Apple user, because your typical Apple user has decided that they are prepared to pay for things, and when they have the choice between being advertised at or buying stuff, they are more likely to buy stuff. And despite the fact that there are many more Android phones on planet Earth, Google have only paid Android developers half as much as Apple have paid to Apple developers. So clearly,
2: my prejudices are not entirely without foundation. It does sound a little bit like if this, then that. Really, <laughs> it's sort of well, stating the obvious. I guess in some ways, because we have talked about it before, haven't we? Uh, yeah. And we have. It's quite obvious that if you go on the Google Store, that you know people don't really want to pay for things if they can at all get away with it, and therefore. Sorry. Obviously, the developers aren't going to make as much money. So
1: I, I'm hoping, I imagine that came all the way through to the microphone. Do not, it's a good thing my coffee cup is sealed, because otherwise I would have Ooh. a very large mess at the moment. But as it is, I have no mess, just an annoying uh. bang in the
2: recording. Oh, it sounded a little bit like a door closing. on me.
1: No, that was my coffee cup falling out of my hand because I was shaking it to get the sugar from the bottom into all of my coffee again. <laughs> and uh. I lost control of it, which is not good. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I guess it's, like you say, it's just more of what we've noticed before. It's sort of, this is the first yeah. time Google have broken down their earnings to this level of detail, which is why we can now, instead of basing this on guesses and estimates and things from people like Sense Tower, we now have this from Google's earnings and Apple tell us how much they pay developers on a regular basis in press releases, so we can actually compare. Felix used the terrible pun apples to apples here.
2: Oh right, okay.
1: And the other number, which is not an Apple's to Apple's comparison in the same way, because Apple have stopped reporting. So if Google are reporting more and Apple are reporting less than they used to. So we don't actually know exactly how many watches Apple have sold. We know the revenue from their other segment or their wearable segment, but we don't know how many watches and how many AirPods and so forth. But based on market analysis, it would appear that Apple has sold more Apple watches than every Swiss watchmaker combined. So, you know, and Swiss would be the bespoke, shiny, fancy watches and Apple would be the upmarket digital wa- or uh, smartwatches. So they're not entirely meaningless comparison to make. And I think everyone joked uh, that uh, Silicon Valley could never take on the Swiss watchmaker with their centuries of
2: experience. It, it, yeah, an- is, Anecdotally. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go on, Linda.
0: Uh, that is just for the year 2019. And is that that's. It's not for all, it's the amount that was shipped in 2019, right? Right, yeah. yeah. So rather than, I mean, because if you say all Swiss watches ever made, that sounds.
1: (laughs) That's a fair point. That is a fair point. It was all the manufacturer's output from the year 2019 as opposed to all Swiss watches ever. Yes. Yeah, it would take a long time to catch up um, with, uh, yeah, that would take a very long time to catch up.
2: Okay, I was great. just going to say that, a- anecdotally, um, when you, you speak to people, a lot of people who who uh, didn't used to wear watches, myself included, started wearing a watch when they bought an Apple Watch. Me too. <laughs> having Me not too. worn a watch for quite a long time.
1: Yeah, um, the so iPhone. Obviously, they're
2: getting all those people back, aren't they?
1: Yeah, so, I, I wore watches till I got my first iPhone. And then I just yeah, lost likewise. all interest in such things. And then I didn't wear a watch again until the Apple Watch. Um, That's actually, me too. Uh, oh, okay. three of us. Yeah. I, I know quite a few people actually the same. So, and given yeah. that these are numbers. I know, I know from, three isn't a survey. <laughs> yeah, that is true. The plural of anecdote but, is not data. Um, Alison yeah. likes to remind me of that, which is. It is indicative, though, isn't it? <laughs> I, I think it is. I, I think in this case, it is. Um, so these are numbers from strategy analytics, which is obviously estimates, but. The estimate is that Apple sold almost thirty-one million, and the Swiss company sold twenty-one million. So, even if the margin of error is quite high, it's not going; to, it's unlikely to be so high that this doesn't remain true. Hmm. Okay, so what have we got next? Well, that is it for notable numbers. So, legal latest. Ooh, right. So, yes. Yeah. Apple have lost in court and I think it's a bloody good thing. I will, take all, I, I will get on my pinko commie soapbox here for a moment. Um, <laughs> Apple had a policy where they would m- force their employees to have their bags and digital devices searched on the way out of work and they would make them clock out before they made them stand in line for those searches. Now California has good labour laws and so in California a class action suit was brought against Apple basically saying you owe us overtime for forcing us to stand in line. And rather than settle this like a sane company would have Apple decided to fight it all the way. And ended up making arguments in court like well you could just not bring in a bag which is ridiculous. Or even worse you could not bring in your phone while simultaneously telling us that your your phone is one of your most personal devices and that you couldn't be without it because that's literally how they make all of their money. It was such a stupid case, in my opinion, to be involved in at all. And they have lost. And I personally am delighted. Now, I won't speak for anyone else. I, I, you know, I'll leave you guys to uh, express your own views if, if they differ to mine.
2: It well, sounds a I, little bit draconian anyway. Doesn't it? But personally, I mean, if you don't trust your staff, then they're making all the money for the company. <laughs> hmm.
1: Yeah, and it's not well, like the
2: margins are razor thin. No. Uh, yeah, it does sound a bit strange.
0: I, I'm not sure I agree on the trust part because okay. I, I, do, I do think the searching is legitimate because especially with the retail folks, there's a, and just retail across the board. It's not specific to Apple, but many people who work retail are college students. They're, they're, they're going to move from one spot to another. Um, They're not long time employees. They're not people that are going to make a long career with Apple. Some will, but many won't. They'll go on to, you know, go back to college or whatever. And sometimes Especially young people can be foolish enough to go, oh, if someone will pay me for information, I will therefore sell the information. So they, they can be less trustworthy, less trustworthy. Um, the other thing is, is that I, I don't know how accurate this is, but I do have the impression that from people who are um, non-retail Apple employees, that they suspect a lot of leaks come from retail now, the retail, pardon me, the retail people may vehemently disagree with that, but there's yes. a little bit of possibility there. So the trust part. But I agree with you on the suit. If Apple's going to keep the people to search their bags and et cetera, then they should pay them for that time.
1: Yeah. If Tim Cook wants to double down on security, he needs to double down on his pay bill, too.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. So would would you say this was quite common in, in the U.S., um, Linda? Did the searching of bags at the end of the day?
0: I don't actually know. It wouldn't surprise me if it was common in for a lot of retail. Um, oh, but I don't okay. know one way or the other. I don't have factual
2: Well, I've never worked in retail here, so I wouldn't really know any other way. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not something I'm familiar with either, so I'm afraid it's sort of the, the blind leading the blind on this one. Um, But anyway, I'm still, hmm. uh, on the basis of the case itself, I'm definitely still happy to say that I stand over my opinions. Yes.
2: Yes, um, I'm with you as well, but...
1: The Vernet X case has continued. So the, the, this is, I believe, according to iMore, it's been nine years um, that this case has been dragging on. Um. Apple had asked uh, that the case uh, be reviewed and it has been rejected. So I don't know if that's quite the end of the case, but it's certainly one door has been slammed in Apple's face. And I think this case may wrap up before the decade is out, which would be nice. Uh, The ongoing saga of Gerard Williams, the former Apple exec who started a rival chip manufacturing company while still sort of at Apple and using Apple resources. Um, That lawsuit has has kicked up another notch. Um, Apple were suing him for poaching their employees. Well, now he's suing Apple for poaching his employees. So that (laughs) runs on and on. And then finally, from the Department of Stupid Law Cases that Apple lost and really, really, really shouldn't have, in my opinion, so the inverse of the first case, France has decided that slowing down phones so they don't crash and continue to work longer so you don't have to replace them is anti-competitive and is forcing people to replace their phones. Reality has no bearing on the French court system, it would appear, uh, and it's going to cost Apple €25 million for making old phones last longer in the name of not making old phones obsolete. No.
2: It's bonkers, isn't it? It's a little bit like asking electric car makers to make all of the batteries available um, for the car. Cause all, all electric cars have like a sort of protection on, on the very bottom of the battery and the very top of the battery. Yes. To, uh, because if you use that, you're likely to damage the battery over a fe- a shorter time. So what, what, most manufacturers do is they they prevent you from fully draining or fully yeah. charging the battery um, and it's a little bit like suing them and saying look i want to be able to use all my battery
1: yeah so in this even case
2: though i know it's going to even though my car isn't going to last as long It's a little bit like that, which is a bit bonkers, really.
1: Yeah, so to remind people in this case, what was happening was that as iPhone 6 and similar generation phones got older, and as their batteries had gone through, you know, a thousand cycles or whatever, and were coming to the end of their expected life, they would reach a point where they would catastrophically quickly drain if the CPU ran at full power. So they would go from, you know, 50% battery left to zero in like five minutes, And the fix to stop that happening was to throttle back the CPU so that the aging battery wasn't being asked to deliver as much as quickly. And I had a phone that was of that ilk and that was going through rapid shutdowns until Apple updated iOS to add in the throttling. And that phone had many more years of life on its battery thanks to Apple adding the throttling. So the thing that France says was designed to make me buy a new phone Actually, made me keep my phone for an extra year and a half.
2: So, so the opposite of what they're actually claiming.
1: Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. Anyway, so that that's cranky Bart coming out for a wee appearance there. Um, moving on to Apple HR and acquisition news. Um, Liz Schimmel, the head of Apple News, has left Apple. Um. Apple News hasn't really done all that well from what I can tell. Um it's not available here in Ireland so I'm a little bit blind on it, but I believe it is in the UK and America. Am I correct about that?
0: Well, app Excuse me, Apple News is different from Apple News Plus. This was huh. this was Apple News, right? Because I think I know a lot of people that use Apple News. But I don't know a lot of people that have, pardon me, that have subscribed to Apple News Plus.
1: I presume that would all be under the same VP, though, wouldn't it?
0: That would be my assumption, but I'm I'm not familiar with this particular person. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it may be. It may have something to do with the Apple News Plus part of it. Mm. Hmm.
1: what is a related story is that Apple's push into news coverage is continuing because Siri has developed a new skill. She has learned all about the US election. So you can ask things like, when is the, oh, what is that big primary tomorrow as we record this? Uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, one of the Carolinas.
0: South. The South Carolina tomorrow.
1: Yeah, So you can tomorrow ask Siri South. when the South Carolina primaries are. And then on Sunday, you can ask Siri, how did Joe Biden do? And Siri will know. Whereas as we record this, we haven't got a clue.
0: <laughs> Only the polls. We have the polls.
1: That is true. I, d- I wonder that they teach Siri about the polls or just the dates and the results. I didn't read that in the story. I know that she knows. I know she knows when people are voting, and I know she knows how they voted. But I don't know if she knows about the polls.
0: I, I would be surprised. I haven't tried it, but I would be surprised if she does. Other than anything, other than pull up a web page on polls because they vary. They you do. Know, that gets into complexities.
1: Yeah, and actually, given that polls aren't really news, in my opinion, I kind of like the idea of keeping the facts and the speculation separate. But I'm old-fashioned. Uh, two Apple VPs are leaving the company. Nick Florenza, Vice President for Manufacturing Design, is retiring. So best of luck to him. And uh, Duco Pazmuij... I'm so sorry, Mr. Pazmuij. I've completely butchered that, I am sure. Uh, apparently he is negotiating an exit. So these are two fairly important people in the manufacturing. Not really sure. You know, as I say, it's part of the normal churn from best as I can tell. And the opposite side of that churn is former Warner Music executive Jeff... Ber- oh, goodness me, I'm not having
2: a good day with names. Bron- Bron- Bronikowski.
1: Oh, actually, okay, when you say when you sound it out like, like a school kid, it's actually fine. Bronikowski, who joins Apple as the Global Head of Strategic Music Initiatives, which is Wow! Right up his alley being from Warner Music. So that's interesting. Uh, And now we come to the the, the new bit of the show where I quickly rattled through the Apple original content news because I don't understand it, but I do just want to draw attention to what has happened. Last month there were like 10 or 15 stories here, so it has not been nearly as big of a month in February as it was in January. Uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., who appears to have two surnames. Interesting. Uh, we'll now play the lead role in Apple TV's Apple TV Plus show, Swagger. Swan Song is Apple TV Plus's newest original movie starring uh, Maharish Ali. Apple TV Plus show Shantaran halts production. That's, that's a slap in the face, that one, uh, especially because it's an adap- ad- adaptation of a book of some form. Kind of interesting that they managed to not get that one written and across the line. Uh, Trammell Tillman joins Ben Stiller's upcoming Apple TV Plus show Severance and uh, this, this last one is fun I, I genuinely find this interesting which is not something I say often on this part of the news Director Rain Johnson uh, says that Apple won't let iPhones be used by bad guys so if you're ever watching a movie and you're not sure who the bad guy is if they're using an iPhone <laughs> it's not them I think that's cool I think that's,
0: Yeah. I think it's hysterically funny. That just it just cracks me up. It's like that's funny.
1: Yeah, it's a real. I could have imagined Steve Jobs doing that kind of thing, but on the other hand, it is also a real Tim Cook thing. I think. No, no, good guys use our stuff. It's like good guys wear white hats, bad guys wear black hats, and, in old westerns,
0: good Maybe guys use <laughs> yes. Maybe that will influence the FBI and others that want to uh, crack the Apple iPhone. You see, it's it's only the good guys that use them, so there's no need. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I like your logic, Linda. That that is it. Problem solved. (laughs) Okay, let us move into the main stories. We have four of them today. Um, The first one is the obvious one, so we can get it out of the way and done and dusted, which is coronavirus. The second one, then, is a nice kerfuffle started by malware bites. The third one is um, some interesting reporting on Apple Watch and AFib that I think needs a little bit of dissecting. And the last one is a collection of small stories about a home kit, which I think together are worth talking about. So, let us go to main story the first, coronavirus. Basically, it has been a month of chaos. I think the only way I can explain this chaos is to simply read through the news stories in chronological order, which will give you some idea of the roller coaster ride February has been. Foxconn intends to quarantine workers for up to two weeks to combat coronavirus, and coronavirus is forcing isolation of factory workers, cut in Foxconn growth estimates. AirPods production has come to a crawl due to risk of coronavirus. iPhone maker Foxconn warns staff to keep away from Shenzhen Base. Foxconn, maker of Apple's iPhone, will begin producing surgical masks to combat coronavirus. Apple extends most Chinese store closures, some as far as February fifteenth. Foxconn told it cannot reopen its factories by Chinese authorities. Foxconn has reopened its Shenzhou iPhone plant, but only 10% of its workers turned up. Sources say it will take at least two months for Foxconn to resume normal manufacturing. Beijing Apple stores reopen on February 14th. COVID-19 leads to cancellation of Mobile World Congress. Apple says it will not meet its Q2 earnings guidance because of coronavirus impact. Related, Tim Cook explains why slower return to normal in a leaked memo to Apple employees. Basically, this has been really hard on Apple people and we feel very bad for them. Uh, Apple moving production from China to Taiwan due to Wuhan coronavirus. Apple opens 10 more Chinese stores, including Shanghai and Guangzhou locations. Apple reopens two more stores in China, bringing a total of 17. Foxconn cautiously restarting production at main factories. Apple supplier SK Hinks orders 800 staff to stay home after Corona fears. Coronavirus is increasing demand for iPads as as students and workers stay home. Foxconn offering workers incentives as it tries to fulfill iPhone shipments. 32 Apple stores reopen in China as special business hours come to an end. Apple is warning shareholders attending its annual shareholder meeting of the coronavirus risks. Finally, Foxconn has turned to SARS hero in its ongoing battle with coronavirus. So it's up, down, up, down. Good news, silver lining. Oops, bad news again. Oh, silver lining again. Bad news again. And that's nothing to what it's like, you know, in the rest of the world here in Ireland our first case was confirmed about 24 hours ago and now our shops have no bread. Oh dear. Oh yeah, and don't even mention the hand sanitizer or the surgical masks.
2: Um yeah, the I uh, I think the big the the big we can see it's going to have a big impact because I mean the stock market's taking a big tumble <laughs> over the last 24 hours, 48 hours.
1: Yeah, they were in denial for a long time. Or maybe it wasn't denial. Maybe it was just hope that it could I be I think
2: contained. they were just hopeful it could be contained. But uh, but now they're pretty sure it's not going to be able to be completely anyway.
1: No, the fact that we have um, community spread in Italy and Germany is definitely worrying. And in California, actually, that one case where there's no patient zero is also worrying.
0: Right. That's right. The st- the the stock market expected and hoped, I think, for a long time that this would be minor, but the World Health Organization came out today, I believe, and uh now now they're on they have um uh, issued their highest alert. So I think it we're going to have a problem on the planet for however long we have a problem and nobody yeah. knows for yeah, nobody knows for sure how long that's going to be or uh, and people people get very panicky, and the economy doesn't you know doesn't do well in situations like this. So,
1: well, I mean, who's going around buying things they don't really need at a time when you have no idea what next month is going to bring?
0: Right, and they don't want to go out, and then you know what happens if the if the delivery driver you know is infected or whatever? You know, right. I mean, people right. get people get very nervous.
1: So, yeah. and some of it is legitimate nerves, and a lot of it is you know bad guano
0: over. Overdone,
1: yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, if I were a stock market investor, I would certainly not not be trying to make short term investments. Like, I guess if you have the money, now is a great time to pick up some good stock cheap. Right. If you're happy to sit on right. it.
0: Right. For if you're if your time horizon, if you're saving for retirement or your child is five and you're saving for their college education. Um, now is a great time to buy. Absolutely great, but um, a lot of people don't appreciate that, and a lot of people get panicky. And that's actually when other when people are panicky is a good time to buy. So
1: yeah. eh, we'll see. Yeah, well, buy low, sell high. So buy low is apparently now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not sure when high it will be. Um, yeah. I, to be honest, to me, this story is. This isn't a health podcast, so I don't think we can add much of a discussion on how likely it is that coronavirus is going to do one thing or another or how panicky we should be or, you know, whether or not we should all be running around with masks and hand sanitizers. I, my opinion, while I could give one, I don't think I would be doing anyone any good by doing so because I I didn't even take biology at secondary school, let alone at university (laughs) level. I opted for Physics. Um, and that's not much help in this case. Uh, so, to me, I guess it's just this is this is going to impact Apple and everyone else, every other major industry for at least the next quarter, probably quite a bit more. Is there anything yeah, else think, we can I think, say?
2: No, I, I think um, eventually we'll get you. We'll get around to realizing that this is going to be the new normal for a while. Yeah, uh, and things may settle down a bit then. Yeah.
1: And if you take the time horizon long enough, there will be a vaccine that's already in the works. It's just going to take months. Hmm. This this too shall pass, but it could get interesting.
0: Yeah, it could last for a bit. Um, If I may, I would make a recommendation for yesterday's uh, podcast from Mm -hmm. The Daily by The New York Times. Okay. It's about 20 maybe 25 minutes long, and they um, there's an interview with a reporter who has covered SARS and MERS and Ebola, and he gives his perspective, and it's pretty interesting. So that's worth a listen for people who want information um, on what might actually happen. And before you can evaluate the effects on Apple or any other corporation or the economy generally, um, I guess we need to make as best a guess we can as to how long it's going to be
1: before yeah. this passes. That is very interesting. Thank you.
2: Okay. I, unless as, anyone, as for the go on Nick As for the stock okay. market, as for the stock market, it just seems to be. Um, we know that the stock market is jittery about a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just suddenly it's just suddenly woken up and said, "Oh no, yeah. this isn't too good." <laughs> yeah, this is this is probably worse than the things that we normally get jittery about. <laughs> right.
1: The,
0: the the market um, the the old adage is, is that the market runs on fear and greed and right. at any given point in time one or the other is in ascendancy
1: oh, that's so, an interesting way to look at it uh, right yeah so we're now in a fear cycle
0: absolutely and and it, it you know since it has some basis the market almost always overdoes each of those both fear and greed right and hence you get your cycles because it's it's psychology it's humans
1: yes and we like to follow a herd. Yeah. So once everyone starts running one way for an obvious reason, they don't quite stop on time. Right. Right. Okay. I'm going to move us on to main story number the second. So the AV vendor Malwarebytes made waves by releasing a report on their 2019 malware that they found. They're a cross-platform antivirus company. So they make software for the Mac and the PC. And... With some creative accounting, I I do not believe that they have told any factual misstatements. They have just dressed up the information in the most evocative way they could and basically said that there is more malware on the Mac than on Windows. And the thing is that malware doesn't lend itself very well to being classified as all being equal to each other that's not a very good way to think about risk when it comes to malicious software because a lot of this stuff is, on the Mac side in particular, pretty much all of it on the Mac side in particular, is Trojans that do things like inject ads into your web browsing or mess around with your homepage and stuff. And obviously we don't want ad insertion and we don't want people messing around with stuff. But the actual protections built into the Mac without using any antivirus from Malwarebytes, will stop you running code from untrusted developers. So an awful lot of these Trojans would be stopped anyway, whether or not you were running Malwarebytes. So they, I, while I don't believe they told any lies, I also don't believe that they have given a particularly useful, I don't think this is a useful insight in any way, shape, size, or form, uh, and I also don't think that it, it, it's in any way meaningful to say there was twice as much malware on the Mac because there really wasn't if you actually count malware that does damage as opposed to Trojans people are installing themselves. Um, and for what it's worth, my personal opinion is that uh, my views have not changed. It Running antivirus is inherently dangerous because antivirus code is complex and written by human beings And it runs in a highly privileged part of your OS. So it almost certainly, not almost certainly, it definitely has bugs in it. And it has immense power on your system. That is a dangerous mix. So there has to be a real and present danger to offset the real and present danger of running AV. And today on the Mac, for normal people who keep the settings at their defaults, I don't believe you are safer with AV than without If anything, I think you might be safer without than with. And that remains my opinion for what it's worth. Any any thoughts from anyone else on this little criffleful?
0: I do have a thought. Mm -hmm. Um, What I said, and I'd be interested in your response, Bart. Um, I told the folks at the Mac user group that uh, if they have a teenager in the house or a young person or anybody who might go traipsing around to odd places and click on things kind of willy nilly mm. that they might want virus protection. And if they don't, if they're not in that circumstances, they may not. Well, that's um,
1: in keeping with my sort of thought that it's about balancing the threats, right? So if you're a high risk user, that changes the arithmetic. Okay. So I would, I would wholeheartedly endorse that. Like I would say don't be the kind of person who runs around clicking on things, but... Well, I was a teenager once. I did stupid <laughs> things. In those days, it was with floppy disks. But I certainly virused my own machines to pieces quite a few times by doing things I knew were risky. So, yes, I, I, I do indeed take your point. And a family PC where it's a mixture of risk-taking, rule-breaking, because teenagers love rule-breaking, um, and just plain old ignorance, in you know, in the non-malicious sense of the word i guess that that does shift the arithmetic so yes it is it remains a judgement call okay any other thoughts on that little nugget
2: no yeah i suppose the the only real it, if it would be more valid if they said that more more max got attacked got physically Broken because of malware, as it were, but they don't. They obviously don't know that um, exactly. But that would be a much better way of reporting it if that were true. Right,
1: you know, in terms of how many, how many, when, how many PC users lost all of their stuff to ransomware versus what percentage of Mac users lost all of their stuff to ransomware? That's you know, or yeah, how just, many? Just saying, I, there's a,
2: just saying, there's a lot. There's a lot of more detect uh, a lot more. Um, ways of attacking the Mac, if the Mac is still secure, that's not a problem, is it? It doesn't really matter that it's doubled. Right. If your Mac's still secure.
1: Exactly. So point. the question is, are people losing their bank account details and having their money stolen? Are people having their credit cards pilfered? Are people you know suffering yes. cybercrime of some are. other form?
2: And S- that- sadly we know we know people are, but often it's because they've been duped by somebody rather than something on their computer itself.
1: That is certainly true. Uh, It's often
2: because of a phone call or (laughs) (laughs) that sort um, of thing. Phishing
1: phishing email, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what is the easiest way to get someone's password? Ask for it. (laughs) Yes. It's not hackery. Ask for it. The squishy organic bit, you know, extremely susceptible to many, many things. Yeah. Basically, in terms of actual damage to actual people, there is no evidence whatsoever that the Mac is a dangerous place to compute. And there is also, we do also have to say, right, that Microsoft have worked extremely hard to lock Windows down. And Windows has become a much safer place to compute than it used to be. And that is not bad news for the Mac, that Windows is becoming safer. And it will shift the arithmetic, right? So if you're only interested in relative performance, you end up losing track of the fact that it's not that the Mac is becoming more dangerous, it's that Windows is becoming safer, so the relative difference is changing. But great, bring uh, it on. That's a fair point.
2: Yeah, that's a fair point.
1: Ah, lies, down lies, and statistics. That's what we sort of boil down to, really, <laughs> isn't it?
2: It does. So,
1: our third main story, then, is another statistics based one. Um, so, this takes a bit of explaining. Um, again, we end up with a very clickbaity headline. So maybe I'll start with a clickbaity headline and then work back from there. So the clickbaity headline Apple Watch may miss AFib in as many as 59% of cases despite fancy sensors. Pretty clickbaity. What's really going on? So in 2019 Apple funded a study um, which was done by a fairly major university and I mean no one's doubting the study but it found that 84% of the detections by the Apple Watch proved to be correct detections. So that's the true positive rate, right? So when the watch says, go talk to a doctor, 84% of the time, it's a really good thing you went and talked to your doctor. But that's the forward case. The question that was being asked by the journalists here was the reverse case. Let's say that you have AFib and you have an Apple Watch. How likely is it that the Apple Watch will detect the AFib? So what we know, or what the, the, the journalists found, I mean, they didn't find it by breaking anything. They just basically did their homework. So with, with good old-fashioned reporting, they waded through paperwork that Apple filed with the US FDA, the Federal Food and Drug Administration. And in Apple's paperwork... Apple said that their AFib detection is only accurate when the pulse rate is normal. And it's not accurate if your pulse is abnormally low, less than 50 beats per minute, or abnormally high, which is greater than 120 beats per minute. And that, to me, doesn't sound all that shocking. But the final piece of evidence, or the final piece of the puzzle that the journalists found, was a 2015 paper, Studying people who had recently developed AFib, so that's a bit of a selection effect there. And of that population of recent AFib developers, they found that their average pulse rate was 109, which is high. And if the average is 109, that tells you that there's a big chunk of the standard deviation is going to be over 120. Approximately one third of them are going to be over 120, in fact. And so if you take into account that the Apple Watch isn't great when things go over 120 and a third of people who have recently developed AFib have a pulse over 120, then you can end up with a headline that says that the Apple Watch doesn't detect AFib in 59% of cases. But that does rather miss the point that without people wearing the Apple Watch, all of those cases of AFib would go undetected. And Apple isn't selling the watch as a diagnostic tool. It's selling the watch as a health tool, which as an added bonus can detect many cases of AFib and has detected many cases of AFib. So I would say, is the world better off by detecting more, but not all AFib than detecting none? I know where I stand.
0: Yeah. All you need to do is to talk to one person who has had this happen. And, and, um, I may have mentioned before my husband and I were on a cruise a couple of years ago and happened to share a table with a man wearing an Apple watch. And we said, Oh, you've got an Apple watch. And he said, yeah, he said, it saved my life. Oh, wow. And, and proceeded to say, now the way he phrased it was, uh, the Apple watch woke him up in the middle of the night and told him he was having a heart, he was having a heart problem. And he decided to go, he was like, eh, he was, guy was from Canada. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, uh, eh, it's two o'clock. You know, one o'clock in the morning. I don't feel like doing it. And then he thought, eh, maybe I should. And de- sort of debated with himself and his wife, and yeah. said, oh, all right, I'll go. He said he didn't feel all that bad, and he went to the hospital, and he was in fact having a heart attack. Yikes! So, and I assume that was it was a, it was a mild heart attack, but you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd still rather be in a hospital.
0: Yeah, yeah, because they can prevent you know extensive damage if things were to get worse or whatever so
1: yeah because um, your blood is being starved of oxygen and is slowly dying
0: yeah yeah not not good for that muscle no so um yeah
2: we seem so. to be very good at this don't we uh we introduce things that are supposed to help us um and we put big warning notes on them to say this is not a medical device and yet somehow we seem to think that it should be uh yeah and and, and and the other, I mean, the other way to look at it is um, with um, Tesla's autopilot, there's big signs on it saying, you know, this really will not drive the car on its own. You have right. to keep your hand not on the yet. wheel. You, we have to feel yes, you right. feedback. You have to, be, yeah, you have to watch the road and all that sort of stuff. But people still ignore it and then complain when the car crashes or, or it doesn't behave the way they expect it to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <sighs> it's frustrating isn't it and it this is. is exactly the same sort of thing yeah. this is exactly the same sort of thing if it helps it helps if it means you go to the doctors unnecessarily well that's uh, that's that um, may be true yeah. but but that's better than the other way
1: around and well, as we know from the 2019 study that 16% of cases turns out to be false positives which isn't actually too bad and that means that if your Apple Watch does go off, you're, you know, more than three chances out of four, more than four chances out of five, it's not telling you porcupines. And that should probably make you... If I had an 84% chance that there was something really badly wrong with me, I would go to the doctor.
2: You'd want to check it out. Of course you would.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm happy to say I have no idea what an Apple Watch sounds like when it thinks you're having a heart attack. And long may that last. <laughs> Um, in related news, Apple has joined with Johnson & Johnson to launch a new study called Heartline uh, in the US. So they're continuing their explorations of health and I am happy sure for it. Could. Any other thoughts on, on the AFEB story before we move on? Okay. So last main story of the day is sort of a potpourri of little stories, but I, I think they're worth putting together. So I would say it has been a good month for HomeKit. Um, so the uh, abode suite of smart security devices has developed HomeKit compatibility. That I believe they're quite popular, so I think that's quite a good thing. Um, L- Land Sea Homes is selling high-performance homes, which to me sounds like they drive or fly or something, but <laughs> I'm not quite sure how high you know. High performances, in they make your wallet do some serious somersaults. I think, but either way, one of their features—they're you know pimping in their high-performance homes—is that they are HomeKit built-in, so you get a shiny HomeKit home for your high-performance home, which is interesting to see HomeKit sort of peddled as a you know high-end feature. Meanwhile, in I a wonder, su- if, um, I nope wonder if
2: they do those sort of um, uh, like specially air-conditioned things, perhaps. Well, it's, it's all you know, that sort of people stuff. People suffer with certain diseases and things, and they need air, pur- pu- air purifiers and things. And I wonder whether it might be that.
1: Well, I presume it's all those kind of things, and you're, you know, speak into the vague ether, and have the lights do this, and do that, and do the other, and have this come on, and have that come on, and have the blinds do this, and, you know, it's all, it's all you're living in the future stuff, right? Which I'm sure I sure I would love if it would if I could have it just built into the house and if it worked. I'm um, not sure about either of those things. But anyway, the Australians have taken a different and I think a much more exciting approach. Um, an Australian company has uh, debuted disability accommodation powered by HomeKit. So they have basically created residences designed for people with disabilities and have chosen to control those devices through HomeKit. And I think that is a wonderful use of HomeKit. So that one really made me smile. Jolly good. Now, I have buried the lead somewhat because the actual biggest news is that um, it was mentioned at WWDC that there was going to be a new API that router manufacturers could use to make routers HomeKit aware. And that was announced and... You know, we all assume that at some stage, some actual router manufacturers would release a firmware update and actually push this feature out. Well, at, early in the month, we heard that Linksys was going to do that, quote, any day now, which was later clarified to sometime soon. The month has ended and sometime soon is still in the future, but nonetheless, Linksys do appear to be working on it. But in the meantime, Eero beat Linksys to the punch, and Eero have released a software update for their Eero, Eero Pro and Eero Beacon which enables this HomeKit support. And so the question is, okay, great, what does it do? Well, it allows you to control from your router what internet access your smart home devices have. In other words, your HomeKit-enabled devices, you can control what they can do with the internet through your HomeKit-aware router. So you can buy cameras that are HomeKit-compatible and say limit these to my house these devices to do whatever they like within my home they can never talk to the internet or the middle option is these devices can only communicate on the internet with the officially listed IP addresses provided by the manufacturer of the device so if devices get hacked or whatever and they try to send their data to some bad guy the router steps in and says no You're only allowed to communicate back to, you know, uh, Wise or whoever sold the camera. You're not allowed to communicate to random evil server over here. And then the third option is, yeah, whatever, turn off all the safeties. Let this thing talk to anyone it wants to on the internet. And for hobbyists, that's actually really important because if you want to do some fun hackery, you may actually want to send the information somewhere and that is not what the manufacturer had in mind. So just that ability, oh, that's really cool. it is exceptionally cool to have that level of control over your smart devices. So yet again, HomeKit, while it's been a really slow burn, frustratingly slow at times, where they're going is a really good and secure and sensible place, which is so out of keeping with the absolute Wild West forest fire mess that is most of IoT. So this made me very happy this month.
2: Yeah, it's sort of it's a little bit like uh, Allison's two networks, isn't it? For one, one for her HomeKit stuff and uh, uh, IoT stuff, uh, and one for her main. Um, which it, would, this would mean that you could have just one network, but con- as you say, control it from the router. Yeah, no. Cool.
1: There are still advantages Sorry. to the Y-shaped approach that that Allison adopted because, uh, of course, yes, it, it means yeah. that it, it, if you have them in separate networks, the danger is if your device gets hacked, it can reach into your stuff you care about. Whereas when you separate them out like Allison does, they can only hack each other. The IoTs can kill each other, but they can't get you. This is, is what yeah. the Y-shaped. But this thing.
2: is sort of an in-between thing, in a way, isn't it? It's, it's 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 making it more difficult within your network for them to do anything that they want.
1: It It is, yes. And it's also a case that it's more realistic for your average user to have a router from Linksys or from Eero than it is to, for your average home user to set up a Y-shaped arrangement with three routers.
2: Right. Yes.
0: Right. And this is done on a device-by-device basis, right?
1: Correct. So you would basically yeah. say that these cameras I set up can do this and this smart lock can do that. and. It would give me a lot of peace of mind if my smart lock could be isolated from the internet. If I wanted, yeah, if I had one, um, which I don't. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so I, I'm actually find. Although it's deeply nerdy in some ways, the fact that this is in really mainstream routers, I think, is an extremely or routers for our American listeners is extremely uh, interesting. And Apple continues to keep their HomeKit stuff very well encrypted, very well secured. It's just, a. it's so robust and sensibly designed. The contrast between most of the IoT industry is wonderful.
2: Probably the best way to say that. So is this, do do we think this is something they could also roll out for for non-HomeKit devices? I don't think so, because
1: the whole point is that HomeKit knows what IP addresses and so forth the devices have. So HomeKit can tell the router how to show you the devices for you to then have a nice human-friendly interface. I mean, you okay, can go so into you
2: your... Home, you, know, you need HomeKit for it to work effectively.
1: You would. I mean, your router right now, as it stands, you can write firewall rules. If you know the IP address of your camera, you can go into your router and you can create your own firewalls. Almost yes, no one does yeah, because it involves figuring out IP people.
2: addresses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And the magic here is that HomeKit knows... And therefore, if the router and home kit are speaking the same language, then the router's interface can present you with a human-friendly way of controlling what you can now do in a really human-unfriendly way.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So that's, the magic is kind of in making these routers easier to admin by regular Joe Soaps, regular folks. And that's good. Okay, uh, let us wrap up the show with a few quick stories that weren't quite worthy of being promoted to big stories, but nonetheless, we shouldn't mention. And the first one is really on the cusp, because I normally put the annual shareholders meeting as one of the main stories most years. But as I understand it, this year, it basically went entirely to plan. There were six things to vote on, three of them that Apple proposed that all got accepted, three of them proposed by shareholders that Apple wanted shareholders to reject and shareholders rejected and Tim said a few things uh, but not really all that much um, I suppose the most noteworthy thing to be voted down was a proposal that uh, Apple be forced to do a report on freedom of expression every year like they currently do on the environment and uh, government surveillance and then um, Apple confirms that its first store won't open in India until 2021 uh, and also on a related story that um, that didn't come from the shareholder meeting as such, but I just thought it was worth mentioning here, is that the smartphone business in India grew by 41%. Sorry, Apple's smartphone business in India grew by 41%. So if they do get a store open in 2021, that's probably a good thing. Now, Linda, you have a habit of going to these things. So w- were you present for the 2021? I was. Um,
0: and I'll make a couple of comments. Um if if anybody is a shareholder and they're in the area at the time and they can get in because it's a little bit tricky to get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, if all that is true, it's worth going if you have not seen Steve Jobs Theater. Oh. And also, yeah, because the, the meeting is held in Steve Jobs Theater and it's it's impressive. It's very nice. Um I'm not. Ooh. I'm not going to try to describe it because I don't think I can. But,
1: I mean, we've um, seen it also, on the keynotes, right? But it, I imagine being there in person. Of course, it's in the center of the campus itself, so you're 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 inside the ring, and yeah.
0: Well, it's not. It, it's actually on the outside. Aww. It's not not on the inside because they, they don't. They're not going to let anybody near the ring. You can see the ring from the path that you walk to get to the theater, but you ah, don't. You okay. don't get inside the ring. That's no, that's a no no. I think. Oh. But, but the theater itself is very beautiful. there's just I mean it's really impressive. Um, also the path on the way there, I was really impressed uh, th- and I've been there be- before I went to the first meeting that was held there, which I think was I think this is the third one. Mm-hmm. Um, the path on the way there, you can see, see the landscaping and they've made it v- look very much like uh, natural. California, and it's it's just that's very beautiful. It's very you're very much in nature, and uh, this year one of the trees was flowering, and I took a picture of the flowers, and you could see the ring in the background and mm-hmm. all that. So so that part's very nice. Um, I will say I've gone to the shareholders meetings not every year, but I have I did go back in the day when Steve conducted them, and this year in particular, um, I noted and frankly, did not particularly like how scripted it is now. It is hmm. so, I mean, the beginning of the meeting has to be very formal because that's required uh, by law, you know, where you, the the general counsel gets up and runs the voting part and gives people the option to vote there if they haven't already done so online, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then they give, they, she reads out in this case, uh, uh, um, she is a she, and she reads out preliminary vote totals, Right. Uh, so there's that formal part. But um, the way Steve would do it is is that he would then immediately open up to questions. And it was pretty freewheeling. And it was a way to see him in action dealing with people who had commentary. And you would get just a wide variety of questions. Uh, anything from, I mean, they actually got up and sang happy birthday to him one year. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which That's was nice. I didn't know whether that was good or, you know, it's a formal meeting. It seemed a little bit, you know, overly informal, but but um this you know, it was much more freewheeling. Tim has it very locked down and very scripted. He showed us uh several commercials when a topic would come up. Uh half I think he only took about seven or eight questions. Half of those uh were proffered online, so he knew ahead of time you know, what they were. So it was very scripted. And that, um, I don't know, I didn't, I don't like that as much. I would no. like a little bit more authenticity as a shareholder. So that's that's Linda's commentary and experience.
1: Oh that is a very different way of running it than, than the Steve Jobs. I guess Steve was that consummate performer that he could wing it. Whereas, well, Tim has gotten very good at being on script it's not, he's not a natural. Like, you know, I'm impressed at how much he's improved and I'm sure he has worked extremely hard on that. I'm sure that did not come easy, but he can never be Steve Jobs.
0: Yeah, it's true. I just, I would like a little less scripting, a little more spontaneity. And uh, Steve also used to typically have somebody up on stage with him. Often it was, seems to me it was Phil Schiller one year, years ago. It was, um, was Luca
1: Maestri not, at one stage running these, or am I misremembering?
0: No, no, t- not any that I've attended. Oh, sorry, at no, that's
1: the co- that's the earnings calls, the, not... The
0: earnings yeah. calls. Yeah, Luca's there for, you know, for the financial. Of course um, he is, or
1: is. he was, because he was Apple's CFO. He? Or is he, I thought he retired. Luca,
0: Luca still is. No, 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 no. Luca still is, Um, I not remembering the former gentleman's name at the moment, but um, somebody's shouting into their... Yeah, into, <laughs> into <laughs> into dear is listeners, to... let's
1: shout, shout at us there. <laughs>
0: so anyway, that's just, that's the, the extent of my commentary on it.
1: But. Well, no, it's nice to get sort of an insider's view on it. Um, it's You know, because to me, there, it's just a headline I read. So it's nice to put a bit of flesh on those bones. Yeah. But it's also interesting that I was pretty sure from having read the headlines, it was a non-event. And your in on-the-ground on the experience would appear to confirm that.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was,
1: okay, next yeah. quick story is also um, good news from a security front. Um, Apple has joined the FIDO Alliance. These, this is the alliance behind things like FIDO2 protocol for security tokens and the WebAuthn framework for getting biometrics onto website authentication and stuff iOS 13 already introduced an awful lot of FIDO support, so it was kind of weird that Apple was rolling out FIDO support without being part of the FIDO alliance. Well, now they are part of the FIDO alliance, so I imagine we're only going to get even more FIDO support. And again, two thumbs up from me. I really like this. Uh, Apple have also continued to improve the App Store in small little pieces. Um, Developers can now sell you in one transaction, and Mac and an iOS app together... That's a nice little addition. Um, and Apple has given a way for developers to send customized versions of their apps to schools. Uh, and this is actually quite a big deal for e-learning stuff in particular because different schools may use their own deployments of you know, common platforms like Moodle and stuff like that. But they may actually want tweaked versions because they're going to use different features. they want to going to want to highlight different things, hide other things away. And while having an app with 20 settings is one way to achieve that, it will be much, much better for schools to be able to work with developers to customize their e-learning tools so that they really are in line with what the school needs as opposed to having to have complicated configs all the time so I, I think it's it's nice to see Apple do that for schools and it's definitely nice for Apple to make it possible for developers to sell me a bundle because a lot of the times when I'm looking for a piece of software what I'm looking for is does this use iCloud to make my Mac and my iPhone know the same thing and it's two purchases why can't it be one now it can Um. Also, Swift Playgrounds is coming, has come to the Mac. So for budding developers who want to get stuck into some Swift, that is a fun way to learn Swift. Um, and Apple Music have teamed up with Genius to produce Verified, and that headline made no sense to me whatsoever. So... I decided to pull out the quote from the opening paragraph to make it make a small amount more sense. Verified, the show from Genius, in which artists explain the lyrics to their biggest hits, now premieres exclusively on Apple Music. So it's a TV show about song lyrics, not on Apple TV, but on Apple Music. So there you go. And f- finally, Microsoft have launched a limited trial of their xCloud gaming service on iOS for 10,000 users. And I'm sure they're all snapped up by now. Uh, and that was limited to the UK, Canada, and the US. So that is bringing one step closer to sort of your Xbox in the cloud experience coming to iOS. Cool. Well, that brings me to the end of my show notes. Um unless any of my panel think that any of those stories I raced through at the end deserve a little bit more attention, um, or unless there's something else that's broken while we were recording anyone wants to bring up, I think think that's February Apple News dealt with. What do we think?
2: I think so. I
0: think we're good.
1: Well, in that case, I will thank both of you very much for giving so freely of your time. Um Nick for you it's your Friday night you've given up it's now 10 minutes to midnight so I really do appreciate you staying up late and uh giving of your time and Linda for you no it's the middle of your Friday you've given up and uh that that's that that's a big ask so thank you very much for doing that. Oh you're most welcome. So folks where can people find you on the internet? Um Nick you while you appear here as a podcasty guest You've become quite the regular on another Apple show. Do you
2: you want to pimp that for us? Yes, why not? Yes, I appear fairly regularly on uh, Essential Apple Podcast, which is part of the same network that... um, Indeed. Fellow MyMac Podcast uh, Networking Podcast. Network, yeah. Um, So, uh, yes, I'm often on there on a Sunday. It's recorded uh, with Simon
1: yeah it is chewing the fat (laughs) yes it is an apple show with a very distinctive british accent between yourself uh, and simon you know there's a distinctive british accent i've had the pleasure of guesting once or twice uh the fun show so i will highly recommend it and linda you you your apple involvement is somewhat different do you want to tell people particularly any listeners in the california area what you get up to
0: Yeah, Silicon Valley Mac Users Group, which is svmug.org, is what I am involved with. And I do the news and, you know, we have a good meeting every month. We have moved location. So if people are in the area and um, we meet on the third Monday, usually the third Monday of every month, but check the website uh, svmug.org again, and I am on Twitter, uh, LLG for CDG. I'm not on a whole lot, but um, you can always ping me that way anyway. Cool. So
1: Excellent. There will be detailed show notes with links to all of the stories that informed my thinking on this month's Apple News, and the scroll bar is quite small. Um, lots of stories. Uh, You will find that at lets-talk.ie, and while you're there, you'll find uh, large blue buttons in the sidebar under the heading Support the Show. I want to thank everyone who has supported the show in any way, shape, or form, whether that be the simple act of spreading the news, telling your friends, tweeting about us, Facebooking about us even. I may not be on Facebook, but I know lots of you people are. Uh, You know, just share the news. It is all greatly appreciated. Rate the show on your podcatcher of choice. It is all extremely valued. And then there are those of you who help me pay the bills. So you will notice there are no advertisers on any of my shows because I'm a firm believer that I want to be 100% free to say exactly what I actually think. And the only advertisers who are interested are advertisers who are relative to your topic which means that you're always in a conflict of interest because I want to be free to talk about my topic because it's my topic. And so that's why I've always wanted, I've always had a dream of keeping these shows listener-supported, and that dream is a reality, and the reason it's a reality is 100% down to you, the listeners. So I really appreciate all of your support. It makes this possible. And, you know, without you, it wouldn't exist, but it does exist, so thank you. So you can make a regular recurring uh, contribution using Patreon really, is you pledged a dollar amount per show a small dollar amount is the logic here Um there will be exactly two shows every month one Apple one uh, Mac or sorry one Apple one photography so if you'd like to support me with two dollars pledge one dollar per show and that will be two dollars at the end of the month so you get the idea and then for larger one-off donations PayPal is the mechanism of choice And the way I generally structure it is my monthly bills are paid for out of Patreon money and my one-off expenses like new software, new hardware, those are paid for out of PayPal money and the show is pretty much not exactly, but pretty much breaking even at the moment and that is just how I like it. So thank you very much for all of your support. Okay, I think that wraps us up for another month's worth of Apple News. So until the end of March I can just say that uh, until next time
2: Hello everybody, this is Simon Parnell, the host of the Essential Apple Podcast. The show where we aim to take a wander around the week's news in Apple, news, reviews, technology, security and anything else that catches our eye. Plus, from time to time, we like to have guests from the industry. Who we get to tell us about their products, their services, their history, their philosophies, what uh, drives them, and of course, just what makes them tick. That plus a bunch of friends talking about the news in Apple. What more could you possibly want? Check us out on the My Mac Podcasting Network.